welcome back to Hour 2 of Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. Got our guest, Aunt Thornton, in the uh, studio here with us today. Talking about all kinds of cool stuff. I want to invite you to check out our website, freedomspeaknm.com. From there, you can listen to replays of any of our previous shows. You can check out the Becca's Monologues tab and check out the Resource tab. And if you want to watch and interact with us live on Friday mornings when we're recording the show for the radio station, uh, we're also streaming live. Uh, you can go to that website. You can click on the Rumble link and 9 a.m. to noon, Mountain Standard Time. Uh, we have a phone line you can call in. Um, by the way, I, just, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, we're not doing the phone line today because we had to record this show because uh, when you're hearing this, I'm actually attending a wedding of one of my, uh, one of my nieces. So uh, we recorded this show early. Anyway, um, I was talking about, we didn't really dig into that topic I was talking about. I wanted to talk a little bit about how, you know, we talked about how, why I don't think kids should have cell phones or, well, especially smartphones. But self-destructive behavior by especially young people that are just starving for attention and doing all kinds of crazy things to themselves. You know, doing, I, I, Candace Owens, I watched a, a piece by her the other day that she posted in which this girl was getting on there to, uh, and she was just stuffing her face with junk food, just tons and tons of it, and to get attention. And it seems like that to get clicks, to get attention, to be accepted by all your many tens of thousands of friends on the internet, that you'll do all kinds of stuff to get them to watch you. And I think it's really sad that that people are have such self esteem problems like that that they would that's the only way that they can gain recognition for something. I yeah no I, I that's a big problem. I mean I ha- I have an eating disorder. I, I I will eat brownies and pizza every chance. Oh, I get. those are good. <laughs> so I like those uh, too. So, but I'm not going to show it on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and so I mean I, I tell people I'm really great on the keto diet. You know, until the weekend shows up, and then and then everything kind of goes by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. And then I get back on it on Monday, and it's all over again. And you know, usually that works if you're good all week <laughs> long, and then you're bad for a couple of days. It you know, it yeah, except kind of balances out. It right? does, except that you know, when you want to lose weight, it's just, you just it's amazing how quickly you can gain it right back in, in the two days. <laughs> well, I I lost I lost a bunch of weight on Nutrisystem not too long ago, and and to lose weight takes some serious discipline. It does. You know what you were just saying, where you're bad on the weekends and you're good during the week. Right. That'll help you main. That'll you can maintain doing that exactly after you struggle and you use maximum willpower and you lose the weight, then you can go to that to when you're done losing weight. <laughs> and I, I kind of do that myself okay. right now. And it's like, I, I kind of maintain, you know, I gained a few pounds back, but I found that it's like, okay, I found a balance here in which I'm not gaining that 30 pounds back that I lost before. Right. You right. Know? And it works. 30 pounds? You, I, I lost 30 pounds. No way. I did. I lost 30 pounds. <laughs> you can have 30 of mine. And <laughs> so one, one article really caught my attention. I found this article about, they, they, it says here, um, the Russian Popeye, okay? Russian Popeye regrets injecting oil into his biceps and admits damage cannot be fixed. Oh, my God. So, 
instead of this, I mean, this guy could, if he was really, really dedicated to this, he could have uh, went to the gym. Right. He could have done some bodybuilding. I mean, I've seen guys do it. Right. You know? Um, all, but he doesn't even look like Popeye because, you know, if you do you remember the Popeye? Remember okay, Popeye Remember Popeye? Arms? He had big forearms, not right. biceps. That's true. It's like, well, that looked really weird. But it's <laughs> like, so this guy injected the wrong place. I mean, first of all, he's got a really messed up looking bicep instead of, and he's got a tiny little forearm. It's like, dude, did you not watch Popeye? Did, did, <laughs> did he watch? actually inject him himself? I, I, yeah, or did he have it done? I mean, I wouldn't know where to inject it. Did, did he do it himself? I don't know. Let me see if it says I something. I, I saw the picture. I think he did. Be, yeah, they said that after a while, the oil didn't help, so he's doing uh, petroleum jelly or something right. else, like more, like a thicker substance. Was, something seriously wrong. I, I You're think, right. If he, was, if he really wanted to just be a bodybuilder, he could have gone through uh-huh. what... The serious that they they right right you know they 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 take stuff from like the GNC store to help them keep their energy up and to help reduce the pain while they're while they're doing all the working out you know I mean a lot of time that's from what I understand that's how a lot of that stuff works basically it helps you endure the pain of your muscles being you know. Expanded. You're right. Well, you got to tear them up, and then they rebuild, and you tear them up again, and they rebuild, and that's why they get bigger and bigger. So that's yeah. too much work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I don't. And, I don't. Uh, it is. It's a huge amount of work. I mean, it's like somebody's got to. It's something that they got to really be believe in. Really, you know. It's like I, I know these bodybuilders that do this stuff. I mean, it's their life. Yeah, you know, I did it for. In my twenties, I did it. I didn't do bodybuilding, but I did do. Uh, I did a keto diet for like a summer, and I got really shredded. And I uh, was really working out, and I mean, it's the best body I ever had. Yeah. But it lasted, you know, <laughs> until I stopped. <laughs> and then, you know, and what happens is you look at people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he was so buff right. way back years ago, and you look at him now, and it's like, oh my gosh, all that, all that stuff was muscle. It looks like a deflated balloon now. Exactly. And he looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, so you know, you, you got, look. You got to keep it up. You got to keep it up. I mean, right. forever, forever. You know, otherwise uh, you're going to end up looking like like a deflated balloon like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and it, it, it's like, or maybe you just decide that you just want to be healthy and that way you just kind of look consistent throughout your life, you know? So what was the purpose of this guy getting Popeye arms? Anyway? He said he wanted all to attract all the ladies and that he had to have a fantastic body to do that. So he started injecting himself with that. And he said the ladies actually paid attention to him, like he had a better body or something. Really? Okay, you know what? For those of us that are, those that are watching um, the sh- Watching this show, you can see this. You can tell me. Would this get the ladies? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is gross. Well, I, well, I've been doing it all wrong, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I mean, you got like like these lumpy, lumpy masses that are they're hanging down where his biceps should be, and then he's got these skinny little legs, and yeah, it just doesn't look good. No, doesn't look no, good at all. No, not at all. No. <laughs> Anyway, thought I'd show you that. <laughs> to each his own, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that's another thing I did today too. Is I hooked my laptop up to the up to the uh, video the board, that's so cool. I can you know share an image every once in a while if I want to. So is anorexia self-inflicted or is it a mental illness? I personally, uh, not having experienced that myself, but I think it's probably a mental illness. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, the fact that someone would like eat and then throw up, or you know, and get rid of it because they're worried about their their body image. I think they, and typically they're already very very thin, and yet they still don't. Uh, they have some issues with their own body image, the way they see themselves, mm-hmm. and so that's a mental issue more so because it's it's physically hurting them, 
what they're doing to themselves and and their perception of themselves is such that it's not based in reality and so you've got to work with them on a psychological physiological basis and say what's driving you to believe that you you're not thin enough or whatever but i think that's a mental illness I mean, you've got, you've got kids out there that uh, they, they get so disturbed by this stuff on the Internet and this body image thing and all that they'll, some of them have committed suicide. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, this stuff is going on. It's, I know. It's awful. Uh, that's the problem with social media again, which is why we said we wouldn't let our, our children uh, have access to it because you could be easily influenced by uh, – and, and, you know – you hear about the bullying and people and kids bully each other. So I've never experienced any of that bullying when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, maybe it just, maybe it's just the, and I was in California at the time in elementary school and, and we had a really uh, diverse elementary school and, it, but we never, to my knowledge, ever had, um, any bullying going on, the sorts of things that they say happen now, you know, where kids would make fun of you because of the way you look. How, how old are you at? I don't remember. I'm too old. You're younger than me, aren't you? I, I don't know. I mean, no, because you're rocking. <laughs> I refuse to answer to the grounds. No, I'm, I'm, no actually, I, I'm, not afraid, I'm not afraid to answer. I'm, I, I'm 67. Oh, well, you're a little older than me then. See? Yeah. I yeah. Thought, yeah, I thought you were 33 or something. So. Oh, thank you. You're so nice. <laughs> I, you know, the, the reason I ask is because, you know, we grew up in roughly about the same time. Matter of fact, you a little bit before me even, you know, and it's like I remember – at least in Ohio, where I grew up. Um, you said you grew up in California? Well, I was in elementary school. And you My said California was, was pretty diverse at the time? Yes. Okay. Yes. See, Ohio, not so much. Right. O- Ohio, when I was growing up as a kid, was very segregated. Uh, so you had areas of, of town that were all like one race, and then other areas that were like all white. Mm. You know? So it wasn't, I don't think it was that, I, I never really I look back at it, and I don't really think it was a matter of racism or anything like that. It was simply a matter of that people weren't used to seeing somebody that looked different. It's like, you know, the school I went to, I think we had one black girl that attended the wow. entire school, you know, and, and so she always stood out. But see, that doesn't really necessarily have to be a bad thing. You know, no. you can use that to your advantage, you know, because you're unique, you know, especially if you're one among everybody else, you know, but... I th- I think that's the message I usually try to give to people that think, oh well, I'm just I'm discriminated against. Why would you be discriminated against? You're 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 a beautiful person, and and if you work this, you can actually work it to your advantage. That's just that, that's that's always been my thought. You know, yeah, I guess I've never had to to deal with that, but I do understand when uh, it's my field in engineering, um, especially in aerospace engineering, mostly coming through school, I was the only black person in the in the engineering courses. Yeah, and in class and going through my graduate degrees and, and my masters and all. There was one other guy when I was in my master's degree at Stanford, and he was a black guy from Georgia Tech, very smart guy. And, um, and I told him I was thinking about going on for a PhD, and he goes, no, nah, I'm going to go get business. He says, I'm going to take this technical degree, and I'm going to turn it, and he's gonna, I'm going to get rich. I went, There you Whoa. go. <laughs> I mean, he, he knew exactly what he was going to go through. Right. And I thought, okay, that's a very bright guy, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so um, – but, it doesn't take a big degree. No, no, I know, but he uh, uh, he knew what he was going to do, and I and I and I was still focused on research and doing all that kind of cool stuff and yeah, yeah. And all that. But but I've I've always felt that um, I guess the the idea of being the only one in a class you do feel it because um, I remember a couple of professors. Would you know? I remember when my freshman year in engineering, they always said, "Look to your left, look to your right." Um, he says, 
because anybody wants to be an engineer or they get, go to school and he says mm-hmm. you left with your right two of you two of you are going to be gone yeah. before you graduate I went to engineering school too you know yeah so and I and I saw that same thing yeah you know? so they said you're, you know most people don't make it through yeah and um, and I just looked at those two guys I thought I feel sorry for them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know? but it, but it was one of those things I knew what I was gonna I knew I was gonna be an engineer but it was one of those things where um, you kind of stand out uh, if you're a minority in a in an area where it's not traditionally uh, you know you see many blacks in, in engineering and so um, and it's not a bad thing and you just you know but but there is a um, you almost feel like you have to prove yourself yeah yeah and uh, and so there probably a, have to be you have to uh, probably have to learn to be a little bit more outgoing and reach out to people and break the ice because they might feel weird it's like oh well gosh I don't know what do I say you know no but when, I came, sort of when I came here from Sandia I, I worked at I worked at Sandia for most of my career and uh, when I first came I, I a guy took me under his wing he was like a mentor and he kind of you know just brought me in and, and just he assumed I could do the work and he said you know we wouldn't hire you otherwise and so <laughs> yeah. So he just, you know, tutored me along and really helped me, you know, get oriented right away. And so I really appreciated that. And uh, I, re- I remember growing up in Ohio. I remember when I was uh, when I was like 19, I decided to strike out on my own and I moved to Dallas, Texas for a little oh. while. OK, and this was way back then. And it's like, OK, I had ev- hardly ever even seen a black person. I certainly had never seen a Mexican or a Hispanic person. Really? No, I hadn't. It's like, I, I kid you not, if if you grow up in that area and you grew up there in your entire life and never went anywhere else, it's entirely possible you never wow. saw anybody like that, never met anybody like that. So I went to Texas. I lived there for a little while, and suddenly I'm, I'm meeting all kinds of Mexicans and Hispanic people. And it's like, well, this is different. It's like, never met them. What's going on? You know, it's like, wow. It's like, and I worked. I worked with worked with one at one of my first jobs, and 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 he was hilarious. And it's like we got along so good. It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like they're different, but I love it. You know, right. it's like, yeah. Um, but I remember I had um, last year I had Karen Bedoni on with me, and she had made a trip to Ohio. Okay, and she was telling me about that trip. She said, "You know, I was so popular there." She said, "None of those people had ever seen an Indian." <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't believe that now that you've told me. This. She said everybody wanted to talk to me, you know, because she tends to wear a lot of traditional garb, right, you know, and so so they noticed her right away. And it's like she said, "I had a great time." <laughs> but um, let's see what else. Oh. And so, you know, the whole thing, I'm sure you've been seeing the whole talk about the whole Bud Light thing. I mean, oh, yes. Oh, my Budweiser. I mean, they, they might just, they might go out of business over this. I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, I think, it's really bad. I think Bud Light might go out of business, but Budweiser will not. And the reason being is I found out there's like 20 other beers that they actually sell, like uh, Corona uh-huh. and uh, um, all these other beers. And some of them I like. Yeah, and, yeah. And I thought, well, I'm not going to stop drinking that beer just because. But I don't. I don't drink Bud Light anyway. So. Well, we're going back to that. If you're different, he, he's just a, a a wannabe transvestite or right. whatever. And but look at the contract he got. He he probably made millions. He pro- he probably did. I mean, mm-hmm. he destroyed the brand so in the I process. Would, I would dress kind of weird too yeah. if I thought I could make a million dollars. Well, the question I have is: Did that Budweiser marketing person did they get fired because? They lost like five billion dollars in, oh, yeah. in the stock market, and because of that bad decision, and they clearly don't understand who their market was, and when they started putting a, a you know, a, a, this person who 
doesn't represent what Bud Light represents. You know, the, the good old boy. The good truck, old boys, you, you know. know the, yeah, guys in the truck. Yeah, know, guys in their guys. pickup trucks. All the bikers. Yeah. Hanging out and riding their motorcycles and hanging out in the bars. Right. And, you know, it's like, it's I'm like, sorry, that's your base, dude. Yeah. It's like you're you're going to alienate them. And they did. And they did. You know, and, and you know. Dylan Mulvaney falls into that same category as, as this other thing I'm talking about. Dylan Mulvaney is not a transgender person. Right. Dylan Mulvaney is just a very flamboyant gay guy, and he he wears dresses and does this kind of stuff to get to be a social influencer because he makes money doing it. Hmm. It's 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 just. It's about getting attention, right? And I don't know. I don't know if he's got a poor self-esteem and he's trying to overcompensate for it, or maybe I don't know. I don't know if but, he's got a poor self-esteem. Apparently, he was raised sort of acting, you know, even in his younger days. I uh-huh. think he was kind of wanting to be an actor and all this kind of stuff. He's been kind of doing this his whole life, so I think it's a, it's a, it's he's acting. And it's that's his that's his stick. Yeah. Well, it paid off, huh? Yes. Big time. <laughs> that's what I mean. You just dress different and act weird, right? And you get a big contract. I could do that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I so, should get some more cowboy boots. And <laughs> there you go. There you go. Start acting weird. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's what that is. You know, I I just I think he's for whatever reason he's 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 been successful getting attention doing this thing and this is you know this works uh, this is a niche that he has found uh, has has been working for him yeah but i think yeah. it's, i think it's one of those things it's 15 minutes of fame that's he's right gonna, i think it's going to be it's going to go away pretty quickly just as quickly as he came on the scene i think he's going to disappear yeah i think long term it's going to work out bad for him right i really do right and uh, I mean, Budweiser certainly kicked him to the curb, right? You know, that's <laughs> like now we don't want anything to do with yeah. you anymore. We're going to bring out the Clydesdales, yeah, and we're going to bring out the Americana, tough guys, the and Patriotic. and we're going to be playing the patriotic music. Yeah, yeah we got to we got to switch gears. Women in bikinis and guys on the beach, you know, right. no shirt on. You know. We're going to get back to that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I uh, I. I happened to stumble across an ad and this is actually kind of a sad story there's uh and this was in the epoch times about a um a guy that's a bud light distributor unfortunately Mm. and it says he's sending out a public plea to please bring back customers but you know and i feel sorry for this guy i really do because it's not his fault you know it's not his fault it's not the the hundred employees that he has it's not their fault um they're all going to suffer for this um but I really do think Bud Light needs to needs to go away. I think they need to learn a lesson from this. Well, we were uh, my wife and I went to Tennessee, went to Nashville about three weeks ago, and we went into the is it Rich Ben Ben and Rich or whatever their their little thing on the Broadway Street. They have all these country western bars and stuff, and so we went to Ben and Rich's bar, and they had a a flag that was made of beer cans and originally it was blue bud light cans well they had all been replaced oh, God. oh <laughs> with, no with different beer cans wow <laughs> and so so all against the bar you know back in the bar and so it's an american flag but they had got rid of the bud light and put in another blue can or something or other but they you know so it it's hit home i mean well i think it's i think it's a, a given we know what kind of person owns that business right right yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think people are just sick of this woke crap, and unfortunately, you know, people like this poor guy that owns this distributor, um, you know, he, he, it's like what I talked about in my opening monologue. He needs to, 
He needs to, yes, this is gonna this is gonna hurt, but he also needs to realize no, Bud Light needs to go away and I need to do something different here. Right. Maybe I need to sell a different brand. Right. You know? Um but just for the money, you know, just sweep it under the rug just for the money. No, no, they need to suffer for this. Well, I think they have. And yeah. uh, like I said, it's not they're not gonna go out of business because there's so many other beers that they distribute. Yeah, it's uh, by Anheuser Busch. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but but Bud Light should go away. Yeah. You know, they, they lost their market. <laughs> yeah, it does. It needs to go away. And, you know, there I'm sure there are plenty of uh, beers out there, you know, just to, probably through good marketing, they, they reached the status they were at. But a lot of people probably switched to something else and, and probably are saying to themselves, well, wow, this is even better than Bud Light. Right. Why have I been drinking that stuff? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. and they're never going to go back. Exactly. Yeah. Once, once you lose them, they're gone. Right. Yeah. It seems Coca-Cola bounced back pretty quick after they had a woke advertisement that was saying that we're going to teach all our employees to be less white. And they got hit really hard. I mean, I remember when nobody would buy Coca-Cola, but now they're back up. You know, the problem with Coca-Cola is um, is that they really don't have any competition. You know, if you if you go to a place and they and they say, you know, I know a lot of people like this uh, that really like Coke. Coke's got... Coke's got more of a bite to it than Pepsi, Pepsi does. Yes. You know, it's got a different kind of flavor it to does. it. And it's like um, you go someplace um, and somebody, well, yeah, we have Pepsi. It's like, eh, you know, I don't think so. You well, know, if you, yeah. go to, if you go to a bar and you order Jack and Coke and they put Pepsi in it, it's not the same. Drink. Not the same. And you go, up, oh, sorry, no. And then they go, well, we don't have Coke products. I go, well, you should have told me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Pepsi is not Coke. <laughs> no, it's not. So, okay. So on kind of along that same line of thought, did you hear about the uh, the thing with the uh, the Dodgers? No. Bring oh, me up okay. To speak. Okay. This uh, this is something I I just heard about like I think yesterday. Okay. Okay. It's fairly fairly recent. The Dodgers were planning on having uh, like a a Pride Day game. Okay. And they might have got away with that. Okay. But, but these crazy activists, they just took it way too far. And what they did was they brought transgender nuns. <laughs> that sounds like an oxymoron. I, I know. Transgender <laughs> nuns and, and, like, and, pre, and priests. Um, and here, I got to show everybody this one. This one's, this one's good. Okay, here. Let's see. Um, this is crazy. Okay, there, there you go. And you can see it, too. See, see these people, and people are mad. Especially Catholics are really mad. It's like, oh, so you're making fun of our religion is what you're doing. Right. It's like you're you're, and you might even say it's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Catholics are saying that. You know that it's blasphemy. It's like you are you're you're making fun of religion. So the, so that these really weren't nuns or priests they were just people dressed up right. as nuns exactly okay. right gotcha. dressed up as transgender nuns and priests gotcha yeah wow that's uh and and this was at the game it was at the game and so what happened what and they call themselves the sisters of perpetual indulgence <laughs> <laughs> These people are going to hell. They, they, they're going to hell. I'm sorry. They're going straight to hell. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like how much more blatant can, can you be? Exactly. Uh, 
A, a nonprofit order of queer and trans nuns were left out after objection from conservatives. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> it's like, wow. It says here, L.A. Pride has pulled out of an annual Pride night hosted by the Dodgers after the team disinvited a nonprofit drag group from the event. There you go. Well, I heard that uh, there was a hockey team that did something similar, that they were doing a Pride event, and uh, the hockey team, they were going to put something on their, a Pride thing on their uniforms, and most of the team voted against it, so they ended up not doing it. <laughs> so it seems like there is a pushback that's happening now, and people are saying, you're not going to force this down my throat anymore, and I think people are starting to push back. We've got to do more of that, mm-hmm. and just be open about it, and let them call us, because they're going to call us, you know homophobic and all this other stuff. I'm always matter. saying that they'll call you some kind of They're, name that ends in phobe or ist. Yes, exactly. Or ist. <laughs> or, or ist. ist or, or ism. <laughs> or ism. <laughs> so you'll be called something, but it doesn't matter. We just said we're not going to tolerate it anymore, and I think we've got to speak up and be adamant about it because this is our culture, and they are trying to shift the culture to where nothing matters anymore, and we know that there are things that are morally right and morally wrong. Um, been asking that question about you know how do you know how do you know god exists because we have morals and you know if if the, if god didn't exist there'd be no right or wrong i mean everything would be up for grabs and so we know what's right and and if you're on that that side of god you can you can speak to that but um because even people that are atheist or agnostic they know that there's a right or wrong Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you can ask them about what's right or wrong. And then you go, well, why is that right? Well, because if you're a good person, well, what's a good person? Yeah, and, what's your definition yeah, of a what's good a defi- person? What's the definition of a good person? Yeah. Because, you know, you can be anything you want. And if there's no guidance, if there's no direction, everything's up for grabs. No one's telling you what's right or wrong. So and, you think if they ignore these folks long enough and they, they refuse to go along with it, they'll disappear maybe? I don't know if they'll disappear, but we could let them know that that's not acceptable Yeah, uh, and that we won't accept it any longer. And that the, 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 the natural culture says, you know, we're not going to allow you to, you know, defame our religion, defame our, our beliefs uh, any more than we would. You wanted to live that way, that's fine, but we don't have to accept all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to educate my kids that way. So I think we can, we can start pushing back on the culture. We've got to do that if we want to make changes. Well, people got to start paying better attention. They got to take their head out of the sand. They got to force themselves to be a little bit better informed, especially when they go vote. They got to be better informed. Um, and parents especially need to pay attention to what their kids are doing. They take away them stupid smartphones because they're, they're ruining their children with these smartphones. They're absolutely ruining them. And they need to pay attention to what's going on at the schools. And, you know, if, if I was a parent, I would get my kid out of public school one way or the other. I don't care how hard it was. I would do it somehow. Yeah, I know my wife did uh, homeschooling. She said there's no way. I mean, she had to. He, he, he had some, some disorders and things like that, and so she had to do that, and it was tough. And, uh, uh, but it's something that she felt it was necessary for him to get the proper education, and he's, he's doing fine now. To so pull your child away from all that right. craziness. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's see. What that, uh, that's uh, the end of the third segment, isn't it? Is that what is it? it is? I think it is. Yeah. I've lost track of time today. <laughs> You're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
Have you been wanting to do a podcast but don't have a studio? We can produce your show here at Freedom Speak. We can even do commercials and PSAs. Your podcast here at Freedom Speak Studio would be complete with professional audio and video, and we'll stream it to your favorite platform. All you have to do is show up and talk. We do the rest. For details, email us at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband-and-wife team since 2004. Individual coaching ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214 or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com. Are you a small business with unique skills that believes it can bring value to Sandia or our other national labs and would like to grow your national lab contract portfolio? Then listen up. Working with any of the national labs can be overwhelming. From the lengthy terms to the bureaucratic red tape, it can feel like these labs don't want to work with small businesses. Nothing could be further from the truth. They want and need exceptional small businesses to be part of their supply chain. I can help you. My name is Asa Bortz Johnson, owner of Sandia Consulting Group. I spent 10 years as a subcontract manager at Sandia Labs and can help you navigate the bureaucracy. My central objectives are to increase your firm's probability of winning a contract, minimize your administrative burden, shorten the time frame from proposal to purchase order, and maximize your firm's profit. Give me a call at 505-362-3499 or go to my website at sandiaconsultinggroup.com. Schedule your no-cost meet and greet to discuss how Sandia Consulting Group can support your mission. Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. For those of you that are watching on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Rumble, um, we don't have the phones going today because we had to record the program today. I am attending a family wedding. But uh, you can send us your emails, questions and comments. We'd love to see them. And uh, you can do that by sending us an email to Becca, B-E-C-C-A, at freedomspeak.com nm.com and we will read it and um we'll if you send us something good we'll talk about it on the show (laughs) if you think if you're somebody that has a lot to say and think you might be an interesting guest well let me know about that too um and uh, we'll see about getting you on here with us anyway i have some uh some various different news stories I found interesting and it, and it ties into just a lot of stuff going on just everywhere that uh, I don't think a lot of people are paying any attention to. I found this interesting um, article on a UK website called the telegraph.co.uk about this guy that was basically a slave on a fishing boat 
I, I've never heard of anything like this before. I, basically, he just wanted to earn a living. Okay, and so he he goes. He thinks he's getting a regular job on a fishing boat, and then he ends up on the fishing boat, and he ends up out on the fishing boat for years. And they weren't very kind to him. They were very abusive to them. They whipped him with razors, sharp whips, and stuff if they didn't do what they were told. And from a stingray, a tail from a stingray, it's like ow! You no kidding. <laughs> That's amazing. So this is <laughs> this is a new story to me. So a guy yeah, I threw this one in after I sent you that first round. So he of was notes. on a fishing boat for years. Years, like six years. He says he was beaten with barbed stingray tails and scalded by boiling water. And and so says here. Um, says here. Looking back, and I am not sure if I can pronounce this. Presert Shwari. <laughs> Yeah, too too tough. I'm not good with those. Isn't sure what stopped the crew from killing their skipper, <laughs> but he can't forget the anguish that drove them to discuss in whispered voices whether a body thrown into the depths of the ocean would ever be discovered. Wow. So, did this guy? Uh, first of all, how did he get? How did he get released? How did he finally uh, escape from the boat? They made a stop at a port, and there was a sympathetic uh, person that had been investigating this sort of thing, and she helped rescue him from the boat. Wow. Okay. Um, basically gave him amnesty or something on wherever port they had stopped at. But it says here, um, for years, the fishermen had been trapped at sea in brutal conditions, forced to work or face being beaten with barbed stingray tails, scalded by boiling water, and woken up with hammer blows. For many desperate to escape the boat, murder felt like the only option. See, this is what people don't realize. This human trafficking thing. Slavery. It's slavery. I mean, that's what's really happening uh, with a lot of these folks that come over and they're illegal and, they, and then you get somebody who can abuse them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and used them for whatever purposes they seem fit, uh, and so you know modern day slavery is different than the, the old days, but it's still the same effect, right? You, yeah. you torture someone, you force them to do something, uh, you're not paying them, you're just keeping them barely alive, give them mm-hmm. enough food to keep them barely alive, and and until they're no longer useful anymore, and so. Um, that's a scary thought to know that this is still going on in today's world. And it, that's, like you said, that's one example. But who would have ever thought about keeping somebody on a boat uh, for years? Because they're not going anywhere on the boat, right? Right. You're not going to escape. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's no escape. If you jump in the ocean, you're, you're going to die. <laughs> right. So, so even if you've gotten free, if they had them in a harness or, or kept them you know, confined in chains or whatever, even if you got free, he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Here I'll so. show you all show you all a picture of this guy if you're watching the the video there. This is this is him. So is he Pakistani Indian? It's kind of from from the Philippines. Uh, no, sorry, from Thailand. Thailand. Okay. Thailand. And apparently this is happening a lot out of Thailand, from what I understand from this article. And you know, and it says here it says that uh, you know, six years held captive are a far cry from the life he expected when he joined the boat in 2009. Lured by the promise of a monthly salary of 10,000 BAHT. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. It's a former currency. Oh. Um, 
and decent conditions. Yeah. Bot, maybe. Yeah, bot. You know, it sounds like, you know, that's how they did when slavery, you know, oh, come on on this cruise, this little vacation. That's right, yeah. Guys in in Nigeria say, hey, that sounds good. (laughs) Where are we going? Just down the road a little bit? Okay. Live the adventure, you know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Three months months later in America, all of a sudden you're getting hit by a whip. You go, wait a minute. This wasn't wasn't on the brochure you handed me. (laughs) Like, yeah, I wasn't counting on that. I would have asked for a lot more money. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine about the volume of children, children that are missing now, and they said, well, you know, Stella, there's always been kidnapping. Remember the milk cartons in school when you were a kid? Yes. Yeah, but, but there wasn't that many. They don't do those anymore, do they? No, that's not there, there wasn't that many. It, just, yeah. it seemed like maybe you'd hear like about 40 in your lifetime, and they thought, well, that was bad. But now the volume of the children that they're taking is on a daily basis. I, I have a person that uh, says um, children aren't don't go missing naturally. They're, and she sends me all stuff through Facebook, and there's like 80 children a day missing just from the Washington, Virginia area. Just from that area. 80 a day? 80 a day. So so I'm thinking... So why aren't we hearing more about that? I mean, it seems to me that it seems like if if that's truly going on as it is, I mean, so I'm assuming they're taking them out of school or taking them when they're... No, they disappear anywhere. Like they say this person, well, some of them say she was last seen at 11 o'clock at night, a 14-year-old, which should not be out at 11 o'clock at night, number one. But some are walking on the way home from school or somewhere in a playground playing with other children. They're all, it's different circumstances. Not that many were out that late at night. Some were, but they're taking them and they take brothers and sisters or like two sisters, 11-year-old and 15-year-old were out walking home or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they disappear and they never see them again if this is happening so much so close to the pentagon or whatever the white house wherever that, that's telling me a lot about what's going on you know they're missing from there once in a while you'll hear arizona california a few but just in that eastern part of the country they're disappearing like crazy and it's unbelievable to me that no one has done anything about it or looked into it or said anything more than although they're all missing and it's mostly females, but a lot of males are missing too, little boys. You know, Stella this, is exactly, Stella, this is exactly what it is, okay? When I talk about people living with their heads in the sand not and just living the dream, they're living the American dream, they're living whatever dream they're living. Until your child is missing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, then maybe they pay attention. But until then, it's like until it affects them directly, um, nobody pays any attention and, and nobody cares, you know? It's like, oh well, you know, I, I, you know, it's not bothering me. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying my life. I'm doing my stuff. I'm, you know, I'm making money. I'm playing with my toys. I'm going on vacations. Yeah, but I don't see all how of this people stuff. cannot see. I mean, obviously, the child thing is one thing, but even what's going on on a daily basis now, we're seeing with the inflation rate as it is. I mean, I can tell you, my natural gas bills are out. That went up a bunch, didn't a it? A huge amount. Yeah. Uh, and I'm paying a lot. Of, and then, of course, groceries have gone up by 30 40% now. You know, eggs are crazy. And no, so, the eggs and I came back eggs. down. Well, it's still crazy. Yeah, yeah, they did come back down. Yeah, they were ten dollars a dozen just three months ago, <coughs> and now they're back to dollar eighty or whatever. Yeah, reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing this because I'm sitting down now. My wife and I are finally settled down from the campaign and all, and we're we're starting to get back to normal. And like, she's got me cleaning out the garage right now, which is a <laughs> chore, which is why I'm so glad I'm here today. <laughs> I don't have to. It's like cleaning. thank you, Becca, for <laughs> yeah, saving me really. from the garage. Uh, but you know, I sat down and I'm starting to do our finances, and I went. 
oh my God, I didn't realize we were spending this much on groceries, this much on our on our our utility bills. And I said, honey, we gotta have to you know cut back here. He said, we're both on fixed incomes now, and uh, or else I gotta go out to get another job. And uh-huh. So um, and so that's kind of where we are right now. But it and I'm thinking, and we're we're not. We're not wealthy, but we're okay. And I'm thinking for people who are really not okay, this is this has got to have affected them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got to really cut back. And so, so you're saying people who aren't paying attention, they've got to see it in their pocketbooks. Oh it's, yeah, talk to the people who have four children. Right? How bad it oh, is. Oh, I can't even imagine that. Oh. Well, they have to feed them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then don't you ask yourself? Well, they're letting in all these immigrants and with a lot of children or whatever, giving them everything, you know, so that they can live comfor- more comfortably than most of us are. What are they going to do now that they burned out all those factories or food processing plants and they're running out of food? What are we? What are they going to do? I mean, if gonna, they say like it's going to be ten dollars for a loaf of bread. Right. We're going to see hyperinflation in a lot of areas, and, and you have to feed all these people coming in. That's right. Yeah. So I, I like the story a while back about the spontaneously combusting cows. You know, twenty thousand cows blew up. <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's like, like nobody's asking questions about that. Doesn't that sound kind of strange? Yeah. Oh, a lot of this is sounding. I mean, it sounds like conspiracy theory, doesn't it? It's like all this stuff oh, yeah. is happening, but it's happening. It's and happening. So, and so, and yet, the stories aren't being promoted, right? So, again, this is the media ignoring these things so that when we start seeing prices getting out of hand and people can't afford it, what's their ultimate goal? What's the agenda? The agenda is to have everybody on government subsidy because then they can control you. And so, if they raise prices to the point where no one can afford it anymore, people are going to start clamoring for government help. It's like, oh, the government, are they here to help? Yes, exactly. So when the government comes in to help you, you're going to, we willingly accept it, and boom, that's when they own you. What are they going to feed you, though? What are they going to feed you? Government cheese. Not a dish. That that ain't going to be available. Have you seen the movies that they, what was that we were talking about with Soylent Green? Soylent Green. Green. That's what they're going to be feeding you. Yeah, well. I'm making you pay dearly for it. Exactly. Well, you know, they're already, (laughs) I talked about a while back, uh, in which which they were trying to, they're trying to sell people on the idea of this human composting. Have you heard about that one? No. That's really crazy. Okay, so what you do is, like, you know, grandma dies. You know, you probably killed her with the, by not wearing a mask or something. So grandma, grandma dies, and then rather than, you know, spend all the money of, you know, getting a, a, a casket burial and, and, and a that. burial and all this kind of stuff, you, you take her into this place, and they basically put her in there with, uh, you know, some type of algae or whatever that basically just munches her all up and poops her out. And then what you're in, you end up with is a bunch of fertilizer. Fertilizer, you didn't use that. To- so, 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 so they, send, they send you home with your bag of fertilizer, and then you can put the fertilizer in your garden and grow your tomatoes and then eat, eat grandma. Eat grandma. <laughs> it's kind of grandma this, once removed, but isn't it, right. isn't it, wouldn't you still consider it kind of cannibalism? Yes. I, I, I was asking that question. There's something wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not be able to eat a tomato from that garden with good conscience. I don't eat tomatoes anyway, so I'm okay with that. I love tomatoes. She just killed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this poor uh, this poor uh, Thai fisherman guy it says it, 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 after all of this, he uh, he basically found religion and became a monk. <laughs> well, that would turn me into one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. And it says here that across the globe, close to one hundred and thirty thousand people remain trapped in forced labor on fishing vessels. Wow, Isn't that crazy. Yeah. 
kind of makes you kind of makes you feel guilty so for going country, to Red Lobster, doesn't it? <laughs> what country was this uh, particular guy? Thai, Thai, UK. Thailand. Thailand, but Thai. was the boat owned by a Thai, Thailand fisherman? Oh, I think it was. I mean, from okay. from from it from the way it shows on this, it's talking about the it's talking about the Thai fishing industry, and you know the Thai Thai government is trying to do things about it but apparently it's just rampant i mean once these people are out in international waters they just kind of do whatever the hell they want right you know um but it kind of makes you kind of makes you wonder about what's going on in this country right now with literally millions of you know i i heard i've heard people talk about you know the corrupt biden administration they'll try to tell you oh well you know there's only been about a million which that's bad enough but you know that a lot of people are saying some actual figures are more probably in the range of 15 to 20 million so well i since biden's come in yeah you mean i i would say i know they think at least six million for sure that they can account for that they can account for uh, six million as a minimum and then and then there's probably the gotaways and everything else that they they're not counting um so it it could easily be double that. So we could probably be up to twelve. Yeah. Well, so. and, and the thing is, is these people are not are not walking from China. They're not walking no. from these other countries. And people don't think about this. They, I think a lot of people that aren't really paying attention think that all oh, these people are just walking through, walking from wherever they came from. They're walking through Mexico and they're walking. And they're not doing much walking at all. They're paying. Pro- they're probably taking every cent they have because they've been given a bunch of promises that are lies. By these cartels, and they're being flown to places, and then they're being bussed, and then they're doing maybe a short walk across the border. But you know, these people they don't look like they're all that worn out when they're coming across the border. You know, they look you know anybody that walked that far would be probably in tattered clothes and worn out, tennis shoes worn out, and and very thin from walking for all those miles. But they're plump and they have cell phone smartphones. You know, Reeboks. They're coming. They're paying them. To, to come down here, but they come by the busloads at the border. So you can't even say that all of them are paying to get here. All those people don't have $8,000 to give. No. If they had it, they'd have stayed in their own country. Right. Exactly. But they're paying them and dressing them and feeding them and driving them to the border. And they're not doing it for free. That's the point I'm making. It's like they're not doing it for free. These people, you know, a lot of these people, when they disappear into the country, they are indentured servants. Exactly. They are slave labor. To the cartel. To the cartel. Exactly. And the cartel doesn't uh, take it lightly when you don't do what you're told you when you're wrapped up with the cartel. They will kill you. Right. You know? And, you know, I I one time went to uh, Mexico for uh, for a vacation, and I talked to one of the cab drivers down there. I was just kind of curious. I was asking him a question. I said, so what about the cartel down here? And so I, I hear all kinds of stories about the cartel. And he basically told me, it's like, he said, well, long as you stay out of their business, they won't bother you. But I'm not really sure that's necessarily true anymore. Well, I think it is. My, my wife and I, <clears throat> we're going to Puerto Vallarta in a couple of weeks, and uh and but we pretty much stay on the re, on the resort. Yeah, much. we yeah. don't go outside of that. We used to uh, when we first started going there. We would go into town and stuff. But the last time we were there, we heard that the cartel basically what they'll do is they'll you know a lot of mom and pop stores and stuff downtown and things like that. Just you know, great place. But people, but I, what we're hearing is that the cartel walks into a store, says, "Here's these drugs. You sell them. I'll be back next week, and I want the money." And if you don't, I'm going to kill your family. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's what they do. And so all of a sudden now your mom and pop store becomes a drug outlet and you have to sell these drugs out of your store. That's an or, interesting way to franchise. Right. 
and that's what they do. I think I see it here in some of the stores here in Albuquerque. Yeah. So, so the cartel has no compunction about, you know, this is, you know, I need the distributor. You're it and you will do it or else I will kill you and your family. Wow. So you get sucked in whether Mm -hmm. you want to or not. Right. Interesting. So, uh, so it could, it could, and you could see that happening here as well easily. And, uh, and once they get control, well, the, we've already lost control of the border. It's like to say once they get control, they already own the border. We don't yeah, the they border already anymore. do. And so we're, we're in a situation now where our country is, is we're really going to be hurting. And I heard the guy from New York, the mayor of New York was saying, well, you know, you're sending all these folks up to, up to New York and it's hurting us. And so now we, we think the better solution is that all cities should get some of these people so that it's not, you know, focused on just... No, but he's a sanctuary city. We should send them all there. That's what I agree. I say, I say send a million of them to If you're going to be a sanctuary city, then you should take the hit for no, it. You should see what Martha Vineyard's got, how many, 20? Yeah, or, and they, and they, got, and they, got they freaked them, out about it. They got they? rid of them in 24 hours. Yes, that, was, that was the quickest eviction I've ever seen in my I life. <laughs> Talk about racist, right? <laughs> they said, we can't have them. We can't afford them. Yet half of the houses, there are summer homes. They're empty all the time. Right. The Obamas had like two huge homes that were sitting there empty, and they said, "Well, yeah, let them stay there." And he went, mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. those are big houses. They should be able to hold a lot can, of people. Hundred people each. That's right. It's like, come on, you twenty know? was nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how. It, that's the hypocrisy of the left, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not in my neighborhood. So you know, I was watching uh, one of uh, one of my friends. I know actually, actually, she called in on uh, the show two weeks ago uh, Christy Hutchinson you might have heard of her I do know the name I can't think of, I can't place a face she, she's been down on the border like now for like almost three years and she's just been going around uh, stream live streaming what's going on and she was showing a video that I watched yesterday that was going on live at the time and uh, it was like one of the um, one of the towns in Texas and I can't remember what the name of it the town was but they were she was showing how they were bringing in this just busload after busload of fighting edge male, fighting age male, not a single woman or child, all fighting age males look like they're all 20 ish, okay. you know, maybe late teens, right. 20s, um, bringing them in, loading them on buses, rolling them out on buses, you know, just bus after bus after bus. And. And we know we don't know where they're going. We don't know where they're going, and who they're partnered with, and what kind of, what are they setting up? What kind of network are they setting? Because you know they're setting up a network. Of course, yeah. of course they are. And the other thought, the other thing is, I heard that you know there's probably been over a hundred countries that have come through our border, southern border. I mean, they've said they've arrested people coming from China. Mm-hmm. Okay, well you go, wait a minute. I think I know geography well enough. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, did, they didn't walk from they didn't China. Walk, they didn't walk over here from China. <laughs> and you know, and then why are they sneaking in? So it has to be for nefarious reasons. It's not, you know, and that's and that some of these are engineers. Yeah. So China's sending over engineers over here to do what? And uh, so it's scary to think how they might be infiltrating some of our our. Um, corporations, uh, you know, the Googles, the big techs of the world, and getting in, and who knows what they're doing. So, I mean, this could be like a Trojan horse here. They could be setting up for some major disaster down the way, and we'll never know exactly where it came from, but I'm sure it had something to do with this. Yeah, they had, there was a month and a half, they had 4,000 male Chinese crossing the border, 4,000 
And they all, and I they all have their cell phones and everything, and right. they, it's so easy to set up a little networking thing where they just hit the button and say, "Now you do as you're told." And and right now we're even fighting with China, aren't we? It, it's China and our not, we're not exactly in the best of terms. We're not. So terms. why would we let four thousand males come into it through the border? Because why? Biden and the corrupt family is being paid off by China, by Ukraine, uh, by Romania. They're getting payments. In fact, I was just reading um, just recently that the Biden family, that the certain the release from the House Oversight Committee just came out, and they said that the Biden family has received over $10 million since um, Biden was uh, got down from being a vice and president. And that's just the accounts they've looked at that's so just far. The, yeah, they found 20 different mm-hmm. shell companies that all are fed. I mean, it's a classic money laundering it's scheme. It's a money laundering scheme, and it's all been fed, and it all ends up in the hands of the Biden family. So it's not just Hunter. It goes to uh, Jill. It goes to James uh, Biden, his brother. They said nine family and, members. Yeah, there's nine family So all these folks are... Are receiving money with these shells companies that don't sell a product, and they don't—they uh, don't have any product or services that they're providing. So it's just set up to funnel the money into. So why are these people being paid? And how can a, a guy who's been nothing but a, a federal employee his entire life and career—how can they be worth millions of dollars? I wonder about that. Right? They did—they don't have any private industry of their own. They didn't—they didn't do anything, and yet they're all—they all have millions of dollars. And that's coming from outside foreign money. That's yeah, inf- that's influence peddling. Oh, totally. And it's like and it's like I don't think there's any. You know, these people. It's like, well, prove what it is you did to earn all this money. I mean, even with all the skills I have, I can't imagine somebody paying me ten million dollars for anything I can do. Me, that's like, what? Yeah. You know, you and I have a lot of skills. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, well, gosh, you know, what do we need to do to get ten million dollars? You know, yeah, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> yeah, we're doing something wrong. Well, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm convinced that when Biden stood up and said we're going to support Ukraine no matter what and keep sending like thirty billion at a time, he's getting it back. You know, he is. Yeah, Zelensky There's comes back, yeah, with torn jeans and a T-shirt to a presidential meeting. Right. They're mocking us already. Well, you know, Stella and I have been saying from the very beginning that the whole Ukraine thing is a money laundering operation. I, I, I totally agree. We you should know? not be sending any money to Ukraine. I, I, I recognize Russia has incurred upon their borders, but you know what? It's, that's important for NATO and for the European countries to defend, not for us. And yeah. if they're that worried about it, they would get their butts in gear and support Ukraine to make sure that they win that war. But it's not our responsibility. We shouldn't be sending money that way. Yeah, I like the other day, like in that town hall that uh, Trump was in. Did you watch that? Oh, I heard about that. They kept okay. asking him. They, they, she asked him one question. It's like, well, what do you, you know, are you going to su- uh, support uh, support Ukraine in in the conflict that's going over? He would not. He he said the fighting will, will stop. stop. Right. That's the only thing he would say. The fighting is going to stop. Right. Two days after he's yeah. in office. Yeah, two days after I'm in office, that. the fighting will stop. Yeah, it doesn't matter who wins, but the fighting yeah. will stop. Right, and <laughs> and no, they wanted a soundbite. Right. They wanted him to say that, you know, well... Either you do it or you don't support yeah. Ukraine. Yeah, right? yeah. He and was smart. Yeah. He's actually gotten... He's getting better, he, I think. He's, he's, he's learning... He's getting better. I think he's becoming a little more sophisticated now, more nuanced, and I think that's important for him. Uh, well, he studied the media long enough, so he knows they're going to try to trick him into right. answering stuff, and he's very good at evading them. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they're always looking for sound bites right. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so he didn't answer that question. But, you know, I think Ukraine's a money laundering operation. I, and I think here's the problem with this Hunter Biden uh, child support thing. 
this could be the thing that that takes them down. If there is any honestly less left whatsoever in in the court system or wherever, if there are some brave judges out there that believe in doing the right thing and are not going to roll over to threats, because I think people are getting threatened. You know, you know, just like those guys, those FBI agents, that those whistleblowers, right? Um, that. Plaskett, Plaskett lady, okay, uh, Stacy Plaskett from uh, Virgin Islands, kept was asking, uh, you know, well, why why didn't you give us previous notice of, of all this before the hearings? And he said, uh, because they didn't want me to. <laughs> you know, whistleblowers didn't want me to. Because if I had, you know, this was Jim Jordan. Right. He said, if I had, basically what w- you would have done is you would have leaked their information to the press. You would have threatened them. You would have tried to coerce them. And they didn't want that to happen. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally in favor of what, what they did. It's like, no, yeah, you don't need to know. They're whistleblowers. That's what they're whistleblowers. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's like, what about that guy uh, that uh, the, the whistleblower that was uh, uh, that they went after Trump? Remember that? And they would not give the person's identity. Oh, yes. Remember, they kept that guy a secret. Right. The Republicans certainly didn't know about that. Right. And it's like, and that was OK. Right. It's like, well, now we're doing it to you. So suck it up, Buttercup. Right? I don't think there's any judge brave enough, like, like Trump, that would stand up to them and say, yes, we're going to convict him. I don't think that he's brave enough. I think well, he would fear the, for his family. Yeah, And even though the child, you know, the hundred thing is, is one thing. And they said, I was just listening to uh, a Glenn Beck um, It's called The Reckoning. And he had an hour show. And he says there are 170 cases of illegal actions on Hunter Biden's laptop. 170, and they all occurred in different states, Connecticut, Delaware, Texas. He said, so any prosecutor could prosecute, because he was doing he was doing things like dr- buying and selling drugs. He was doing um, prostitution in all these different states where it's illegal, and they've got all this proof on the laptop. So they said, so you don't, we can't rely on the federal Oh, but that anymore. laptop's disinformation, right? Not it's Russian I think, disinformation. I think they, now know it's, they, they now know it's true. And yeah. so, but... But what he was suggesting is that now any prosecutor at any state level can go after him for breaking those particular laws. Wow. There's 170 different laws he has broken that he could be prosecuted on. Let's see if there's a brave one willing yes, to do it. that's all he no said. Let's, let's get him Let's get him going. Uh, okay, well, we got lots more, so don't go anywhere. It's just, just going to – we've got tons of great information today we're going to talk about. So you're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back for Hour 3. 